From listener-supported KTOO, welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and on demand as a podcast. It's Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm your host, Boston Christopher Gunchish Hawa Salamat for joining the conversation. On today's show, a preview of tomorrow night's concert, Love Fest, music in indigenous, queer, and two-spirit allyship at the Crystal Saloon with musicians Ashley Young and Witty Youngman. We'll find out the latest as we check in with the Zach Gordon Youth Center. And Bartlett Regional Hospital has a couple of new doctors of oncology in the house. We'll chat with Dr. Melissa Hardesty. Those conversations, news, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. Support from Hanson Gress. Seeking curious people who like technology, network engineering, and customer support. Opportunities for those who thrive on problem solving. Details at hansengrest.com slash careers. In more school budget-related news, the Juno School Board voted early this morning to put 7th and 8th grades at Thunder Mountain High School and 9th through 12th grades at Juno Douglas High School, Yadda-Akathle. The plan allows the district to close the Marie Drake Building, Floyd Dryden Middle School, and the district office. The district expects the plan to save about $3 million in staffing and maintenance cost. It's an initial step in addressing the district's $9.7 million budget deficit for next year, caused by dropping enrollment, an end to one-time state funding, and state funding that hasn't kept up with inflation. Teachers Union President Chris Heideman said flat funding is hurting districts across the state. Every educator that is laid off this year in Juneau and across the state can draw a direct line from their pink slip to the governor's office. District leaders say the benefits of the plan go beyond savings. It will let high school activities stay on the same schedule and keep middle and high school grades near city pools. Juno Douglas High School Yada'a Kathle has a wood shop and metal shop. Sophie Piercy, a junior, told the school board that while she knows she wants to go to college, not all students do. Does the student who wants to be a welder or a carpenter or to work at the mine not deserve the resources and support that I get? Is their path in life less important or less respectable than mine? Thunder Mountain High School students spoke against combining the high schools at all. Many, like senior Jade Hicks, said they enjoy being able to choose between two high schools. I take pride in the fact that we are a community that believes in individualized education, that fewer than 600 students per school is a pleasant number for optimal education. The board adopted the plan after four hours of public comment and more than two hours of discussion. Board members David Noon and Brittany Choney Haywood voted against it. Federal education officials say Alaska owes millions in state funding to Juneau, Kenai, and North Slope schools. As KTO's Katie Anastas reports, district leaders are finding out What's next? The American Rescue Plan Act gave billions of dollars in emergency assistance to schools during the pandemic. But that money came with conditions. States were not allowed to disproportionately lower the amount of funding they gave to their highest need districts. In December, the U.S. Department of Education sent a letter to the Alaska Department of Education and Early Development, or DEED. It says state funding fell short in the 2021-2022 school year by more than $5 million for the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District, $2.5 million for the Juneau School District, 
and $190,000 for the North Slope School District. The letter says Alaska could resolve the issue by making additional payments to those districts. Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Superintendent Clayton Holland hasn't heard anything from Deed about the letter. His district is facing a $13 million deficit for the next fiscal year. So we have been trying to figure out what this means for us as a district. Um, the amount on there shows over $5 million. That would be a, a huge thing for our district to receive as we're in these you know, challenging financial times. The Juno School District is also in challenging financial times, facing a $9.7 million deficit next year. Superintendent Frank Hauser says he hasn't heard from Deed either. Some people are probably going to be saying, you know, hey, that's potentially $2.5 million coming back to the district. And I, while I, I see that, I really would urge extreme caution at this early date about adding this amount to the revenue columns for the districts mentioned in here because we just need to hear from the state first and see the response of the U.S. Department of Education. Federal officials told Deed that they had 30 days to submit a plan describing whether, when, and how they'd make supplemental payments. On Thursday, a U.S. Department of Education spokesperson said they haven't gotten a formal response. Alaska Education Commissioner Dina Bishop did not respond to an interview request. With help from Riley Board in Kenai, I'm Katie Anastas in Juneau. And we'll have more about school board budget issues with reporter Katie Anastas on next Tuesday's Juno Afternoon. A few happenings around town this weekend. The Nordic Film Festival continues tomorrow, Saturday, February 24th, with a 4 p.m. showing at the Gold Town of The Promised Land. More details at goldtownnick.com. Perseverance Theater's production of Indecent continues this weekend and runs through March 3rd. Details and info at ptalaska.org. Manifesting 101 with Julie Peters continues at the Valley Library from 1 to 2 p.m. tomorrow. It's open to the public. And Juno for Palestine is hosting a rally tomorrow, Saturday, February 24th at 2 p.m. at Marine Park. Follow Juno for Palestine on Instagram for more information. Up next, we'll hear some music and chat with Ashley Young and Witty Youngman about The Love Fest, music in indigenous, queer, and two-spirit allyship. The concert is happening tomorrow night. This is Juno Afternoon on KTOO. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Akwan. The Klen AD have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who travel to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. KTOO turned 50 a few weeks back, and we are celebrating throughout the spring, and we want to hear from you, the community that has supported locally owned airwaves in Juneau for five decades. We'd love to hear your reflections on how KTOO has impacted you over the years. We're looking for audio submissions that are one to three minutes in length that share your thoughts, memories, driveway moments, personal stories about the station that we can use on the air. To submit, 
Record your message on your smartphone and email it to junoafternoon at ktoo.org. Instructions for getting good audio can be found on our homepage at ktoo.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Gunathchish, Hawa, Salama, thank you. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. Ashley Young with a sort of premiere song, something called uh, Secrets. And um, I think there was even a little bit of a new bit in there. We'll find out in just a second here. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, we get everybody on the microphone. So there we go. All right. So, all right. You're listening to Juno Afternoon, community supported on KTOO at 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Ock Bay, and online at ktoo.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Ashley, 
will be part of Love Fest happening tomorrow night, Saturday, February 24th at 8 p.m. at the Crystal Saloon. It is billed as more than just an event, a platform that fosters unity, understanding, and support for marginalized communities, using the power of art and culture to bring people together, break down barriers, and create positive change. It's a journey of love and music presented through an event showcasing the talents of three musicians, Ashley Young, Witty Young Man, and Tora Zamora. It's Love Fest, a night to celebrate indigenous, queer, and two-spirit allyship through music. Joining me now live in Studio 2K are musicians Ashley Young and Witty Young Man, and one of the concert organizers, Trip J. Krauss. Thank you so much for all of you being here. It's a pleasure to have you here. How's it going? So excited. Love Fest. It's got my name all over it. It's got a great name. Can I I just start with um, saying, Ashley, that was beautiful. Um, Yeah, for singing that. That's a new song? New-ish? It's one I've had in the works. It's just unreleased. Unreleased Mm -hmm. song. Okay. So maybe people have heard it before. I performed it a couple times. Okay. I did perform it at Ock Rock. And then you said, you said before you were playing that this was, there was a new bridge in there. Yeah. Premiered today on on the radio. On Juno Afternoon. (laughs) And we're going to hear Witty in just a little bit. Hi, Witty. Hey, how's it going? Good cheese for being here. And Trip. So let's start with you. Um, How did this concert come about? You've been producing over the last year or so, maybe even a little bit more, some of these awesome indigenous concerts. Unseated last year. Um, Displaced in November. Displaced in November was another one. And we we talked about that um, with Daniel. And uh, that was such – so this is like another another in the series. Yeah, I think for me, Unseated was one of the first shows that I – it was my brainchild – I feel like Displaced and Love Fest have been brainchilds of my friends, and they're just looking for some help on producing. I see what happened is you did Unseated, and then they're like, oh, yeah. we can get Trip to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love doing this work. It's really great, you know, being able to work with my friends and, and doing these amazing shows because, yeah. it, like, people are really hungry for this this kind of content and these nights out and being able to support everybody. Uh, so Love Fest started as the brainchild of our uh, short king dad, Chloe Cavanaugh. Um, <laughs> Chloe had asked for a uh, an so indigenous shoddy. <laughs> had asked for an indigenous sort of queer Valentine's type show, and yeah. also to support Ashley, um, who may or may not be getting ready to go out on um, some touring here soon. And so, yeah. really trying to support Ashley in that and. We started banding about different names, and I was like, "Well, we should get Woody to come down because I love hearing Woody play." <laughs> and every time Woody's played the Crystal, it's it's blowing my socks off. I don't like yeah. wearing socks, so but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's always really amazed me. And so another artist who I think uh, Chloe's a little closer to, but I've gotten to see over the over the last year is Tora. I got to see Tora last year around April um, on a open mic stage, and just blew me away with her voice and. Um, songwriting and the way she plays and just like her energy. She has a really warm personality to her and just like open and friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so starting to think about that and putting these three together. And so, I mean, Chloe and I met at Devil's Club and we're like, who can we put on the show? And I was like, I'll see who I can get and can we get a venue? And, you know, Valentine's Day weekend was a little hard to get, but 
um, the 24th was open and the Crystal said, hey, we want to do this show. We've loved what you've done so far. And they were they were in. So it's been pretty easy. That's so great. And I mean, the Crystal has been such a, a warm, uh, welcoming place for all kinds of events and music. And, and it's just great to have that venue in town here. Um, and so that's really good. And of course, um, you may n- remember that both Ashley and Witty were part of Ock Rock, which mm-hmm. happened last September. Um, I think you all played on the same night even. Um I think oh. I think you might have both played on the Friday or something. I can't remember exactly. I can't remember what yeah, day. It was, a, it was a long time ago now. It was a fully incredible weekend, every single day of it. It was so yeah. good. Uh, I I was there for every moment, and it was such a awesome, not only sort of celebration of indigenous music and Kachung and Nefkakuge put together such an awesome show, but it was also the way to find out new musicians that maybe you hadn't heard of before. Um, like for me, it was Samantha Crane. I hadn't heard Samantha before. And <laughs> she like, is so good. Oh my She's gosh. So we cool were at the first too. night, the Wednesday sort of preview night. And um, she came out and did the same song she did uh, at the public concert, but mm-hmm. she did um, Joey. And uh, the whole room was just like, Mm-hmm. You know, it was just great. It was so great. And then all of you and just, you know, and of course it was fun to see like Snotty Nose Res kids sort of tear up the place. And <laughs> that was kind of fun. Just the differences in styles and all of that and just the celebration of that. Um, and so this seems to be kind of a continuing thing about that. And I wanted to ask you about this and any one of you can can answer this or maybe all of you. Um, but I, I know that it seems like to me in my little fear um, that in Alaska here, indigenous music seems to be growing or perhaps, you know, it's just entering the consciousness of more people. I mean, it's been around for eons and people have been doing music, but um, with Ock Rock and Unseated um, here in Juneau, um, do you feel like that's, that it's getting to be, I don't want to say mainstream, but is it entering the consciousness a little bit more or are more people finding their way to celebrating indigenous music? I think the representation is starting to get there. I mean, part of Unseated was to make sure that people were aware that the, you know, musicians were here and, and have been here for millennia. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I think about, you know, people always ask, are indigenous musicians underrepresented in the music scene? And I always say non-indigenous people are overrepresented <laughs> in the music scene. And so that's a good way to put it. Really trying to balance that out. And so I think about Unseated and Ock Rock, um, really trying to like actually make a stage for these musicians to be able to get up and share and and maybe put the spotlight on them. And I think when I'm doing producing shows, like it's not about me. I don't like to be in the spotlight. I like making platforms for my friends and the people I care about to be able to showcase what they can do because they're amazing. And so um, that's really one of the big points for me with producing these shows is making sure they can have a space to do that. Absolutely. And Witty, I know you've been making music for uh, quite a while. Right. And yeah. so what have you seen? I know when we had Kachung in here, he talked about, you know, sort of how he's seen it, the evolution over time that he's been with Bamua and everything. What have you noticed over the couple decades that you've been making music? Definitely that it's um, I think I've been really lucky that I've been around indigenous indigenous musicians my entire life. So the fact that um, it's kind of becoming more uh more 
uh, at the forefront and more prevalent and um, you're seeing it on more TV stations and uh, you're hearing it on the radio. And, um, you know, I have people in like friends in other um, other uh, states that are now like recognizing, yeah, people like Samantha Crane and like are making playlists of their favorite indigenous musicians and are, you know, watching all of the TV shows that are talking about our stories and, um, you know, that are making these opportunities for indigenous musicians that gives kind of hope for not only like people my age that have been saying, yes, it's finally happening, but it's making a lot of pathways for the kids that are looking up to us, seeing us doing what we're doing and saying, I can do that when, when I get bigger or I can start doing that now and I can get better and better and better. So they see us making these pathways they see us putting on shows like this and they are looking up to us when we you know had so few people to look up to we were just watching you know our moms and dads sing in the kitchen you know we Mm, were we didn't really see ourselves on tv the same way that the kids are seeing yeah which i think the value of having these productions is also to see the variety and to understand for the for non-indigenous audiences to understand that indigenous music is music made by indigenous people yeah which encapsulates a lot of genres and a lot of communities a lot of energies and so there's something for everyone yeah i think that was the point sort of of unseated last year was to you know um kind of say, yes, there's all kinds of genres and music that indigenous people are interested in. And, um, and it doesn't, you know, it's don't, don't like, you know, um, sort of put it in a corner over here Mm -hmm. as one type of, you know, drums or whatever it would be, whatever somebody's, you know, stereotypical mind would go to when they think indigenous music. Right. Um, I do want to give you both a proper introduction. I love your, both of your bios and I just want to read them really quick because I think they're fantastic. So, uh, witty young man is a year of the earth dragonborn and raised in Southern Arizona. Witty has been studying guitar since 2002 and singing all their life when not playing music with her group, big dragon energy, Witty teaches cultural classes in Anchorage and has one cat. And I love the cat's name. <laughs> Witty Kitty. Is that how you say it? Witty Kitty. Yeah. I, when I first saw it, I was like, is she trying to make a play on like Taika Waititi? Or, but, but then it was like Witty Kitty. So I was like, okay, that's all good. And Ashley Young is a flinket musician born in Anchorage, Alaska. Her vocal dynamic has been described as an array of emotional expressions and effortless warmth, which you just heard on the song mm-hmm. Secrets. This soulful singer-songwriter's performance is said to be understated and memorable. So those, I mean, you can't ask for two better performers. Um, and we mentioned Tora Zamora a little bit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Tora? Um, only what I've seen, and, and I know Tora is doing more events lately, but when Tora went up onto the open mic stage, you know, it's like playing a bass guitar in a sit-down slide style with a slide and a looper pedal. Um, we're getting a keyboard for Tora too. Um, 
but she's been branching out. So I'm really kind of excited to see what she has. So this is going to be the first time I've getting to see Tora in a more professional setting. That's awesome. Nice. Um, and give us the, give us the details. So we get him one more time about this concert that's happening tomorrow. Uh, it's called Love Fest. It's music and indigenous, queer and two spirit allyship. It's 8 PM Saturday, February 24th at the crystal saloon on front street. There is a $15 cover. The doors open at 7, 21 and older, and then a portion of the proceeds will go to Hatush Lachish, which Chloe and I are really passionate about supporting. Um, they're doing a lot of really great healing work. Uh, we couldn't be doing this without some of our sponsors, which include Black and White Raven Co., Alaska Robotics. Sea Alaska has donated some money for us, which has allowed us to bring in some amazing talent from Anchorage and Ketchikan. So. We really couldn't be doing it without them, and we really we are always grateful for that support. That is awesome. So, um, Ashley, how did you get started in music? I was just one like an an only child entertaining myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I definitely have that. Like, always, I've had music around story, and just like started with the love of performing. You know, like emerging from my room and being like, Dad watch this, you know? <laughs> um, but when I was 18, I started my first band. So that's kind of when I broke into like, um, live performance in that contemporary sense. And I started my solo project in 2020. It's the first time I really actually completed a song, started teaching myself guitar. Um, I was, I've been in six bands, um, but starting my own project really allowed me to, you know, tell my own story and, you know, just kind of like highlight my my voice. It's been really exciting and I'm really grateful that it's been well received since coming back home to Alaska. That's awesome. Now, Tripp mentioned that perhaps you're about to do a little touring. Uh, yeah. I'll have my third West Coast tour in April. It's my second DIY do-it-yourself. I've been building my own, which is tons of work, but it's really fun. And I just um, really want to encourage more Alaskans to kind of like, you know, get themselves out there. And I want to show people that it's possible with the work of like, you know, I mean, I've had to seek a lot of funding and I've gotten lucky and I've been, you know, very, um, yeah, people have been very generous and, um, but yeah, it takes, takes a lot of hard work, but are you doing like um, uh, house concerts too? Or are you doing like uh, I am other doing like a venue type things? Yeah. This time. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, it's a mixture of venues and um, two house shows on this run. Well, where can people find out more? Is it best to follow your Instagram? Instagram's a great place to find updates. My Instagram handle is Ashley Daydreaming. Um, I have a landing page. My website is um, ashleyyoungmusic.com. I think you can also get there by saying ashleydaydreaming.com. Okay. Um, and I think that you could find at least my social links there. Right that's now. awesome. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Instagram, Ashley daydreaming and then, uh, Ashley young music. Cause there's, yeah, it's trying don't just Google Ashley young. You'll get <laughs> yeah, that's a right. lot of people. <laughs> a get, soccer player. You'll, mainly. You'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Witty, how did you get started? Yeah. Um, so my, um, uh, was raised by, uh, a singer, uh, my grandma, Geraldine, my dad's mom, she sang in the choir and she was a piano player, um, just kind of was her little shadow, was always singing with her. And, um, and then I played flute 
uh, in school. And then I, around 14, I was just like, that's not me. That's not me anymore. (laughs) I want to play guitar. Um, And uh, my uncle Ronnie was staying with us for a little while. And I just remember watching him like, just kind of like end his day playing guitar, like always Mm. ending his day, kind of like sitting on the back porch and like the night would get kind of quiet and you would just kind of hear him play like old country music. And so I, I just remember asking him like to teach me, teach me, teach Mm. me. And, um, so around, yeah, around 14, I got my first guitar and I've just kind of been picking up like and studying different different styles it started with you know wanting to sound like all the music that I grew up listening to and looking up to mm-hmm. and then yeah but I'd I'd always been uh, a poet I'd always been using my words to describe like what I was going through or what I was like experiencing or everything and then it just so easily translated into music that um, yeah, around 24, I, I would say, yeah. So about 10 years I was, or yeah, 10 years I was, uh, writing, but I wasn't really performing until after I got out of college. Um, that was around the time that I really jumped into it and really just exploded. Um, I've been up here in Anchorage for 10 years and the entire time I've been, uh, just making friends and, uh, taking opportunities to do any shows that I can and, um, really use music to move forward, um, any kind of, uh, indigenous, uh, issues and talk about, mm. um, what's really important to me. Um, because I do know that a lot of people are watching and a lot of people are looking up to us. So absolutely. It's um, so awesome. And you have a great website. Yeah. Um, bad fish, R U C A or is how do you, how do you, uh, bad fish Ruka. Ruka. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to spell that out for people. Bad fish, R U C A bad where you can follow. And of course links to all of Witty's socials mm-hmm. as well. And, um, so, uh, Witty, would you play us out today? Will you play yeah. a song for us? So you can step up there and I'll give the details one more time for this awesome concert tomorrow. It's Ashley young, witty young man and Tora Zamora. It's called love fest. It's indigenous, queer and two spirit allyship through music produced by trip j kraus and chloe cavanaugh and it's happening tomorrow night at the crystal saloon at 8 p.m and you can find out more information at the where you can get information and tickets on the show tomorrow so uh looks like witty has stepped up to the wonderful myrtle microphone here in studio 2k dedicated to carolyn hobbs peterson and uh we'll let her take it away Right on. So I'm also going to play um, my newest song as well. Um, it's not recorded anywhere other than uh, when we did the Parlor in the Round show um, last November. Um, it's called Creature of Disbelief. And uh, it's it's kind of about what we're here to talk about and what we're here to celebrate. It's, uh, just kind of like... I'm not made for anybody but myself, so here we go. Creature of Disbelief. (laughs) 
Wasn't born to walk in nobody else's shoes. Wasn't put here to live a life that I didn't choose. I refuse to shrink to fit all your expectations. And I refuse to accept all your limitations. And I may not be for everybody. But you can be sure that I know my worth. I've been told that I'm a creature of disbelief. Stole a few hearts, but does that make me a lifelong thief? I walk tall cause of all them that paved the way. And if you were smart, you would listen to what I got to say. Well, I learned this lesson a long time ago. There are people out there who don't know. I was put on this earth to shine bright and proud. When I leave this life, my star gonna shine bright and loud. You can knock me down, but I'ma make you see. I wasn't made for you, honey. I was made for me. I remember one day when my brother, he told me, make a splash, make a fuss, baby girl, make them see. If you're gonna do it right, why not make a little trouble? If you're gonna waste some time, why not make it double? And I may not be for everybody, but you can be sure that I know my worth. I was never gonna stick around for nobody else, but I was always true about how I felt and if you made it this far you must be worth a damn cause baby you know I'd come running about fast as I can I learned this lesson a long time ago there are people out there who don't know that I was put on this earth to shine bright and proud And when I leave this life, my star gonna shine bright and loud You can knock me down, but I'ma make you see Wasn't made for you, honey, I was made for me Goodness, Witty Young Man, everybody. Thank you, Witty, so much. That was awesome. Uh, it's tomorrow night. It's Love Fest at the Crystal Saloon, 8 p.m. Uh, up next, we'll check in with and get the latest from the Zach Gordon Youth Center. This is Juno Afternoon on KTOO.
Let's have a store party. This is Steve Kosos with the Retrack Planetarium. I'm going to talk about gravitational waves. In the year 2015, a new era of astronomy started with the first detection of gravitational waves. It was done with a laser interferometry gravitational observatory. And there are two locations, and they both received the signal of the merger of two 30 solar mass black holes. And that merger created more energy than all the stars in the observable universe, which is about 200 billion squared. This was a more energetic event than anything other than the Big Bang. And this event creates gravitational waves, which are ripples in space-time, analogous to throwing a rock into a pond and watching the concentric ovals generate from the center of the rock's disturbance of the surface. And these gravitational waves are incredibly minuscule. The one that was detected in 2015, which was 1.3 billion light years away, moved a four kilometer arm of, of the laser interferometry gravitational observatory, the acronym for it is LIGO, about a 200th of the diameter of a proton, which is in a sense, the nearest star changing its position by a hair's width. Nearest star is four light years away. And gravitational waves can view interior of objects that electromagnetic radiation, which is optical wavelengths and radio waves, X-rays, gamma rays, are not able to view. This is Steve Kosas with the Marie Jake Planetarium. Our public schedule is on our website, mariejakeplanetarium.org. Thank you. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Joining me now are Jordan Nigro and a bunch of people from the Zach Gordon Youth Center. Gunna the Cheese, Hatiegu D, thank you so much for being here. Wasiati, um, how's it going? Going good? Oh, hang on. I got to put your mics on. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> do I, do I gotta put you don't have to wear the headphones. It's You're good. It's going good. It's going good. Awesome. Okay, well, let's find out who we have here. Let's start over here. Uh, Jolie. Jolie, okay. Jaden Thornton. Jaden Thornton. Uh, my name is Kenyon Jordan. Kenyon Jordan. Okay. Any relation over here? No. no. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, well, welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. So um, tell me a little bit about what y'all do at the Zach Gordon Youth Center. Are there Jolie, ac- wanna, you want to talk a little bit about what we were just talking about out there? Yeah. This was very random. I was just at the teen center. It was like a random day. And then Kat, one of the workers, just asked, you want to go to the radio station? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so that happened today? Yeah. Oh, so they're just like, do you want to come to the radio? And you're like, sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome in. It's so nice to have you here. And what do you? What, what's your favorite thing about Zach Gordon Youth Center? 
Um, my favorite thing about Zach Gordon Youth Center would probably be the fact that they let you eat whatever you want. <laughs> I don't know. Is that? I will get and, confirmation on that. <laughs> and just like the fact that you just get to like to hang out with like other kids. Oh, like, nice. Just, like make new friends. That's so good. And you, sir? Um, I actually work out when I go there. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like something I've been doing for like six years now. Oh, it's is it is it like is it just like built the habit in and now when you yeah. go it's like your your body says I'm here I must work out. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I literally I just benched like two thirty the other day. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so that's a definitely lot. A lot of growth from when I started. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about um, the Zach Gordon Youth Center overall. Some people may have heard of it, but just give us an idea of what its mission is and what its purpose. Yeah. So Zach Gordon is a drop-in center that has been around. Juno started as the teen club almost 80 years ago. Oh, wow. And has been in different places. I know, Jaden, right? Isn't that crazy? years? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard so to even fathom, huh? we are, you know, I always just feel like all of us, like all these folks included and myself, like it's just we're a part of a big legacy, right? Like we get to go to places that's, that go there every day. And so many other people in Juno grew up going there and um, super fun. And then we also have, so we have the drop-in center. We also have, um, we run all of the youth sports out of Zach Gordon now. So if, if you play... Uh, parks and Rec basketball or volleyball for kids. Um, that's all run out of us, all the soccer, smart start, all of that stuff. And then um, we have two navigators on staff that help young people get connected to resources. And that includes housing resources, which we now have. So we have a shelter in the valley that is a six bed shelter for youth 10 through 17 who need an emergency place to stay. Um, and then we have a transitional apartment, which is four bedrooms for youth 18 to 21. And then we also have um, rapid rehousing in the community for youth 18 to 24. Right now we have nine youth that we've housed in the community. We housed 16 youth through last year. All of our housing programs are partnerships with Clinkett and Hyder Regional Housing Authority. So like for the rapid rehousing portion, they with a grant from HUD, they provide the rental assistance and we do all of the work supporting youth and helping them find a place to live and then learn how to work with landlords and all of that kind of stuff. So. That's amazing. So you mentioned that it's sort of a drop-in mm -hmm. um, situation. So if parents or there are youth out there, how do they find out more about it? About the drop-in center itself? Yeah. Well, so the drop-in center itself is located right downtown, right across the parking lot really from uh, from here at K2 Studios and then the shelter Shea Hot Hit Youth Shelter is located out in the valley next to the skate park but um, and so there's someone at shelter 24-7 and there are always um, our hours over at Zach are 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Thursday and on Fridays we're open till 10 p.m. and Saturdays we're open from 10 to 3 um, um, from 3 to 10 excuse me um, and then 
you know, a great way to kind of keep track of what we have going on is to follow us on Facebook and Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. And um, we do have junokids.org uh, or cbjkids.org. I mean, if you go on there, you can kind of keep track of what we have going on too. So. cbjkids.org. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good website. Because I know yeah. the long one, juno.org, parks, yeah. rec. That's, that's you can lo- get there too. That's a lot of way. But, but you could also just put in cbjkids. cbjkids.org yeah. is the best way to find yeah. that. And I do want to mention that tomorrow you have uh, it's a continuing thing, right? The Weaving Our Pride. Yep. Um, that you're working with Lily Hope on um, Raven's Tail and Chilkat ceremonial robes in pride colors. And is that happening um It's happening pretty weekly, much right? every day after school. Every day I after believe school. believe the weavers are off Sundays and Mondays. The schedule gets changed periodically, but you can always like give us a call and see if the weavers are around in the afternoon. You can just drop in. If you want to just pop by and see the robe and you're not sure if the weavers are there or not, um, we can show you the robe if the weavers aren't there and you can come back another time when the weavers are there to watch them weave. It's really fun to sit with the weavers and chat while they're weaving. It's incredible what's happening. We're we're like super stoked to have it be happening at Zach Gordon. It's so Yeah, lucky. it's amazing. And I love that um, today you brought in three different folks who are of various ages, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it really sort of shows that the youth center is really serving the entire community of Juno. Um, and, and I just think that's, that's fantastic. And do you all, um, do you have friends that you see there on the regular that maybe you wouldn't be able to see, like, because you, they live too far from you or something, or how does that work? So I have a friend, he's, I have two friends. One of them's in Douglas and one of them, one of them's in the Valley. So like we would call each other, like see what days, like we would go to, to Zach Gordon. And then like, we would like, we was, we haven't seen each other in like a long time. So that like, Zach Gordon is like a good place, like to make new friends and old friends. Yeah. It's kind of like when I was a young person, um, I didn't have. Uh-oh, somebody's cell phone's going off. That's okay. It's all good. There, somebody's telling you, I'm hearing you on the radio right now. Um, the I didn't have the any, anything like that in my, the place where I grew up, but I had like the, I think it was the Boys and Girls Club. It was like an after school thing that we would do. Um, and, and that's kind of great. What about you? Did you? Do you have friends that you see there on the regular um, that you may not see normally? Yeah, my cousin Omi, but... I go there pretty much every day at your house. Same. Oh, nice. Okay. And you over here? Um, I wouldn't say that I don't see them regularly. It's just more of like, so my I have like a friend, his name's Steve. And so he's like a little brother to me and he got into working out. So I'm pretty much like his personal trainer. So like we kind of figure out what days we want to go. So then that way I can help him build more muscle and get bigger. I see a future career for you um, <laughs> in terms of both the time, both things you've talked about, which is great because we need people to be in shape and have fitness and all that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. Um, and it's awesome. The Zach Gordon Youth Center has so much to offer. And um, it's really great that you were all able to stop in here today. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> is it Jasmine? Is that is that right? Was that your Jolie. name? Jolie. Jolie. Sorry, Jazz. Sorry, Jolie. Um, that Jolie was just like hanging around and. <laughs> I told them that whenever we plan, then people forget or they, oh, yeah. so it's much easier to be like, okay, who wants to come on the Cause radio? I mean, you, you're all across the street and he's, and Jordan's like, all right, let's go. Right. Oh. So, um, and it's an easy walk back, but I want to say thank you so much for coming in and give us a little, little taste of the Zach Gordon youth center. You guys have so much going on. And as Jordan mentioned, you can go to cbjkids.org to find out more, um, to look at the different programs, all the hours that the place is open 
all those kinds of things. And um, it's really been a pleasure to have you here. Gunnath Cheesh for coming in today. Gunnath Cheesh for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Up next, Bartlett Regional Hospital has welcomed two oncology doctors. We'll meet one of them next here on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. What we most often hear is bad news about our teens. That alters what we know is true. Most Alaska teenagers are doing positive things. They're volunteers, role models, and much more. Spirit of Youth tells these stories. I am a person who goes to therapy, has diagnosed mental illnesses. That was Cicely Wheelis, recipient of the 2023 Spirit of Youth Lifesaver Award and founder of an initiative called Mind Matters. It's a campaign that focuses on student mental health advocacy and education. Her work includes a social media campaign, fundraisers, and working alongside the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I help people who are my age and experiencing similar things as me. One of the ways Wheelis got the word out about her efforts was through her work as Miss Alaska's Outstanding Teen back in 2021. Each participant who competes for the title participates in community service. I changed my social impact initiative to reflect what I had been going through with mental illness in the past few years. Even after she no longer officially wore the crown of Alaska's outstanding teen, she continued this work. This wasn't just something I was doing because I had a crown on my head for a year. She says if young people open up about what they are struggling with, they may be more likely to find the resources they need. The stigmatization of mental health is not something that should be taken into account when you are thinking about what's best for yourself and your life and your body and mind. For Spirit of Youth, I'm Alaska Teen Media Institute producer Quinn White. Do you know of a teenager making a difference where you live? Take some time right now to nominate them for Spirit of Youth. Get more information at spiritofyouth.org. Your donations bring Spirit of Youth stories to the airwaves. Support for this story comes from Alaska Mental Health Trust. You're listening to Juno Afternoon from Studio 2K at KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Bartlett Regional Hospital and Alaska Women's Cancer Care have recently welcomed Drs. Joni Mayer Hope and Melissa Hardesty to the care team in Juno. Uh, Drs. Hope and Hardesty are board-certified gynecologic oncologists dedicated to female cancer diagnosis and treatment. They are bringing a new service line to women's health care in town. Joining me now is Dr. Hardesty to tell us more about the services they can provide to Juno and Southeast Alaska women, the opportunity to receive care locally, and of course, important cancer cure rates. Gonna teach Haigudi. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Hardesty. Wasiati, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's uh, and I I heard that um, we basically you just got out of surgery. Yes. Not too long ago. Nope, that is absolutely true. <laughs> Hopefully you had time to grab a bite to eat uh, and then make it down to the radio station. I did, yes. So it all worked out. Awesome. That is so good. So tell me a little bit about, um, we were chatting a little bit uh, about this, but the Alaska Women's Cancer Care, this is going to be sort of like a, it's a new satellite 
sort of program that you're you're doing. And this in Juno is like the first step in this, yeah? Yeah, correct. So Alaska Women's Cancer Care is the only practice of gynecologic oncologists in the state of Alaska. And we are located in Anchorage, Alaska. And up to this point, that's been the only place where you could get this kind of care in state. And so recently we have decided to start working on some outreach. And so Juno uh, seemed to be a good, a good choice for uh, the first uh, outreach clinic. And so we were lucky enough to be able to partner with Bartlett Regional Hospital to use some of their clinic space over in the Bartlett Medical Oncology Clinic office. Um, and it's a really, it's just a perfect partnership because there's already a medical oncology presence. And I can explain a little bit of the difference between medical oncology and gynecological oncology, but there's already a, a presence of that service at um, Bartlett Medical Oncology Clinic. And so there's the other staff that's necessary. And there's also some physician extenders, uh, specifically a nurse practitioner and a physician assistant that, um, see patients out of that office. So basically if we're here, then we'll provide that service when we're here. And when we're not here, there's still uh, providers that are available for patients to be seen. So it's not like we're here and when we're not here, you're just out of luck. Um, yeah. So it so it's a really, it's a perfect partnership. So uh, gynecologic oncology is basically that, which is cancer of gynecologic organs. Uh, we don't see and treat breast cancer, um, but we do basically, we call it below the belt, if you will. Um, so that's cancers like uterus cancer, cervix cancer, ovary cancer. Those are the most common conditions that we see. We also sort of end up being what I might refer to as the hard gynecology department. So anything that community OBGYNs feel is out of their scope of practice, um, maybe due to whatever's going on with the patient in terms of their medical or surgical history, then they will invite us to become involved in um, taking care of those patients. And in the past, that would um, unfortunately for patients mean uh, uh, expensive and, um, you know, a long trip to Anchorage, or uh, I think patients were also probably going to Seattle as well. So they, that care is either going out of state or having to go to Anchorage. And for any of you that had to go to a place like Anchorage to get medical care, it's not just an easy undertaking because most of the care that we do involves more than just a visit. Um, there's usually an episode of surgery or some chemotherapy that's involved. And all of that means that you've got to stay in town a couple of days. You've got to secure housing. You've got to figure out how you're going to get around. So rental car, a bunch of Ubers. Um, you've got to have somebody with you because you can't have surgery and then take a cab to the airport and get on an airplane. You know, you have to have an escort. Um, and, and and it gets really expensive and costly pretty quickly. So luckily for us in the last year, Bartlett Hospital has uh, acquired some new equipment for their operating room. And that yeah, I wanted to talk about the robot. We had yeah, the chief of yeah. surgery on last fall to tell us about the robot. And that was something that made it easier for you all to be able to provide that. Oh, care it made here. it possible, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, in the last you know decade or so, even more than that. Um, the procedures that we do have shifted from sort of your grandmother's hysterectomy, um, which is most of the surgeries we do involve removing things like the uterus or ovaries. And those often, especially for cancer or complicated cases, would be what we would call an open surgery. That'd be a, a bigger incision on the abdomen. Um, and you stay in the hospital for, you know, some period of time, a week or so afterwards. And now we're able to do basically almost all of those surgeries with what I would call small incision surgery. So historically, that's been laparoscopy, 
the limitations of standard laparoscopy and that word means camera surgery, but the limitation of standard laparoscopy is, um, you know, the it's, it can be difficult to see with a camera and the instruments. Uh, the best way that I can describe it to people is imagine how you could function in life. If you had an arm that came off of your, your elbow, I mean, your shoulder, excuse me, and down to your fingertips and you couldn't bend it at all. So just imagine the kind of tasks that you could accomplish if you couldn't bend either your wrist or your elbow, and then take that same instrument and give it an elbow and then ask yourself how much more that you can accomplish. And that's really the fundamental difference between traditional laparoscopy and robotic surgeries that there's a, there's a joint in there. So the instrument is as we refer to in the business, wristed. But basically that means that you, in addition to just being able to function with uh, what amounts to like an arm that you can't bend the elbow or the wrist on, we now have at least one of those joints so we can bend um, that the wrist basically on the instrument. And that lets us do way harder surgery. So what's happened as a result of that technology is we've taken almost all the surgeries that used to be open and now made them in a, in a way that can be done with the small incision surgery. So that's for almost most of the patients. It's outpatient surgery. That means you actually come home, have the surgery and, and go home the same day, which is wow. kind of crazy. Half of my patients use Tylenol and ibuprofen after surgery and that's it. Wow. The other half use narcotic, but they get a prescription for less than 12. And basically I rarely get asked for refills. So I'm not saying that that's everybody's experience, but the vast majority of people have a uh, outpatient surgery that requires much less pain medicine and more importantly, gets them back to work and life and all of those things pretty quickly. So, um, we've really been able to, um, you know, just make it a much less complicated surgical experience for people. Well, and the benefit of having, I think what you were talking about before too, about the benefit of not having to travel, um, uh, you know, for many of the procedures now to be able to be able to do that locally here or be seen locally here, um, and be able to go home in between whatever the, you know, treatment might be over time. Cause it sounds like you will be coming back and forth from Anchorage to here and you'll be seeing patients on a regular schedule. Yeah. Um, so we're, yeah. we're shooting for, well, we don't, we committed to coming down twice a month. So that basically amounts to something in the neighborhood of every other week. Uh, and we'll see patients in the office on Thursday and do surgeries on Friday. We operate with the community OBGYN, um, you know, that are already the physicians that are already working down here. That's where a lot of our patient base comes from. That is to say, most of the patients start out by seeing their OBGYNs or their uh, general practitioners who then recognize that they need to see somebody like us and then we get referred. So uh, we're doing those surgeries uh, with those referring providers. And then um, even though I'm going to get on an airplane at 830, there's a doc that was in the operating room that's in town that knows what happened, that's available right. if there's any post-operative concerns or the patient ends up needing to stay in the hospital or, or what have you. And, you know, my, my plan is flexible, meaning to say I am scheduled to leave this evening, but if, if circumstances required me to stay, I could. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, we want to make sure that people's care is done safely, um, and that the adequate backup care is available in case something doesn't go as, as planned. Well, it's the new, um, gynecological oncologists, Dr. Hope and Dr. Hardesty. They are at Bartlett Regional Hospital. I want to give a couple websites as we close out here. Alaska 
alaskawomenscancercare.com. And also you can find more information at bartlethospital.org slash services slash oncology. Um, Dr. Hardesty, thank you so much, Gwyneth Cheech, for coming in today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you more here in Juneau. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. And I, I just, you know, the main point of talking to you today and really trying to get the word out in the community is to make sure make sure that people know that you're really going to have access to exactly the same service line here in town locally than you would have in Anchorage. So we're really excited that, that, that that's a reality now. I love it. Gunnith Cheese for being here. Thank you. And that will do it for today's Juno Afternoon. Have a wonderful weekend. Juno Afternoon is a project of the KTOO Arts and Culture team. I'm Boston Christopher, producer and host of the program with help today from Aaron Tripp. Thanks and have an amazing Juno evening.